0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this special Sunday edition. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We are getting running and rolling, as it were, in our selection Sunday special. We will be making mock selections later tonight. We'll be doing a lot of other things as well, including talking to teams who are into the NCAA tournament. Some for the very first time in program history. Um... I hope you uh, have enjoyed the week. It has been a crazy one, to say the least. We um, we, are, we, There isn't a, a stone unturned despite everything going on. We have had upsets galore this weekend. We have had surprises. There are some tournaments that are not done yet. In fact, I'm hoping, and I need to check, I'm hoping the AMCC finally got their men's game tipped up. They needed to do it as of, you know, hours ago, but they have gotten a deadline extension. According to what we have learned, they have until 8 o'clock to get that men's game done and dusted, or they need to give somebody um, a a decision to say say any lack of a better description. Time is up, and thanks to weather delays and other things at LaRoche, excuse me um they have they've they're in trouble um the women's game i believe is done and dusted i don't think they need to worry about that but the men's game on the other hand is uh less than stellar uh they've got to get it done already 130 100 over over 100 of you watching where have you been all season folks this is what we do every thursday and sunday night throughout the season obviously tonight a little bit different we don't select the teams every single night uh, but we will talk a lot about uh, teams that we think will get in, teams we think will, won't get in, uh, teams that we think are on the bubble. I will say, in 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 past years, we talked a lot about what upsets could do, especially in men's basketball, more than women, especially in men's basketball, what upsets could do to shake up the bubble scenario. And I think in a lot of years, we haven't had a tremendous number of them. I feel like this year, we've had a tremendous number of them, even up until today. So, it's going to be fascinating to see how this actually shakes out. Not only from our vantage point, what do we select? But I think it's going to be interesting when you look at what the committees will do. And now we already know the men's committee is getting a later giddy up on this. There is a team in LaRoche who's in the middle of the Great Lakes rankings last we saw who could be in a position to need an at-large should they lose. Here's the problem in my opinion. Uh, Sunday games. And Ryan confirmed it just tipped up when we get on the air. We've, we've talked about Sunday games in the past, and I can't find the audio right now, and maybe I'll find it later in the show. We have been talking about Sunday championship games for almost as long as the history of this show. Does it mean it's going to get changed? No, probably not. Should it be changed? I think it should. And... Wiggle room is my biggest example of that. I think to some extent, conferences put themselves in a corner as the AMCC has done today in indicating that, okay, we'll get the game done. Oh no, now we need to call the NCAA and see if we can have an extension on this. On the men's side, I don't think the end of the world, if that game for some reason goes overtime, they're going to be in trouble here. But if, The AMCC decided, listen, we're just going to give this to the regular season champ. That's fine. The regular season champ is in the game. It's LaRoche. I think that's a fair thing that they can do. On the women's side, they were in some trouble because the regular season champ was not in the championship game. I know that there are some who love the Sunday. The Odak's a great example, just the way their tournament is structured. But for a lot of reasons, and one of them is expense. Could you imagine we just get the bracket done today? So that teams can get going on Monday or, or, or you know, we, we don't lose another day for travel details. Um, yes, we're aware, Alan. Um, Alan tweeted us just now that the game had tipped up. We're aware. But if we, we need to find a way, and I know the ODAC likes it Sunday. Either we need to dictate that those Sunday games take place much earlier in the day and I'm talking about 1 o'clock games on Sunday, or we need to shift everything to Saturday. I I just don't think this gives the committees a legitimate chance to get the, the work they need done properly, bracketed properly. We've known in the past of scenarios, whether confirmed or unconfirmed, where teams have been affected by late games. And I just don't think... We need it. and And one person commented, well, it keeps you know, they, they made an adjustment, in the AMCC, this allows them to keep from playing back, you know, constantly playing. I, I understand that. Then maybe you need to revisit the entire tournament and reexamine who's in it or who's not in it, how many teams are in it, how you structure the tournament. There are some conferences that don't go on back-to-back days. There are some conferences that play on Saturday, so if they have to, they can play on Sunday. I think it needs to be re-examined. And you're going to hear that from committee chairs. We hear it almost every year from committees. It's, you don't do yourself any justice. This is not Division I, where the, those games are going to affect little, if anything. Those brackets are done. We know those teams are in the tournaments anyway. The, the conferences that could have the shakeups are done well before Sunday in Division I. Division One Sunday games are with conferences and teams that are already in. They already know the outcome. There's nothing surprising the committee. Yes, Todd said, better hope they don't go to overtime. I agree. It's just mind boggling. So, again, we'll keep an eye on that. Other games have wrapped up. The SCAC championship went double overtime. That's always interesting. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, We are streaming in many ways. Um, yes, Mike, we know the AMCC women's game was, was wrapped up. The women's game though, got stalled out at noon or at halftime, I should say. And they were waiting for power. Here's the problem. Imagine if that game had not been wrapped up. That was my point. All right. So scrolling at the bottom of your screen, is many ways you can interact with us, you can do it via Twitter, via email, via Facebook, or we're simulcasting the show. You can also do it. Smoke signals. We'll try and read them. We'll try and get to your, some of your questions. We will try our best. Uh, several people have sent me their projections, their brackets and all. I will not read them. And the reason I won't read them is I want to keep track of what's going on and have a fresh point of view in my head. So that's how we do that. Um, it all makes sense. We will do our best to keep you all in the loop. Keep you up to date. Here's what we are doing with the show. We should probably mention that, right? Talk about who's going to be on the show uh we will start off here in a moment we'll take a break we'll come back talk about baruch and their miraculous win tremendous play call john alisi joins us on the show to talk about it then sam atkinson will join us after we meet our men's mock selections team that selections team is ryan scott at d3hoops.com, bob of d3 IW, hoops.com bob quillman of IwuHoops.com, and we want to welcome in mike blaine medai men's basketball coach who will be joining us on our selections team We'll then hear from Sam Atkinson in a pre-taped interview that we did with a men's basketball committee chair. Throughout the selections, as you, if you're familiar with it, we will hear from other coaches in pre-taped interviews to give us a chance to do some work behind the scenes on selections. Those guests on the men's side include Russ Phillips and Alfred, who are into the tournament for the first time since 1997. Bill Curley from Emerson, whose team won its first NEWMAC title. Um, I thought I had another men's coach, but maybe I'm just, oh no, that's it. Then when we're done with the men's and get ready to do women's, we'll bring in the women's selection crew, which consists of Gordon Mann at d3hoops.com, B.J. Spiegelmeyer, a uh, DeSales Sports Information Director, and James Wagner, our CSAC Assistant Commissioner. Many of these individuals, Mike Blaine, Spiegelmeyer, and Wagner, have had some committee experience. Um, We'll then hear from Karen Harvey, the women's national chair, again in a pre-taped segment with her. Rain Reber from Rosemont will join us. They're punching their tickets, are the ravens for the very first time and lyle jones bethany lutheran punching their ticket for the very first time so that's who we will have on the show while also trying to determine who's in and who's out there is a lot of questions to ask um alan says another scary moment at la roche's power went out for a minute with psu baron up 6-2 i hope they can get the game finished (laughs) oh jeez this amc sees it it's going to be a train wreck that I, I do not have any confidence that what the power is going to stay on it, the, the weather and the winds up there are insane. Thank you, Chris, for the message. Appreciate it. All right. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk Baruch and get this show underway. You're listening to hoops. So presented by D three hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Remember folks, this all leads up to the championships in, well, we'll know a champion in four weeks time or three weeks, three weeks time. It's all ahead. We'll make those selections coming up. You're watching Hoopsville. Back with more after this. Big shots.
1: Big dunks. This trophy is not given, it must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th, at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division Three Men's Basketball Championship March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets.
2: Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division three level it created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open and a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein.
3: For those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more.
4: Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
3: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
5: Help us keep that dream alive.
3: You can make a difference.
6: I'm a Division III student-athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
2: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
6: If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III
7: student-athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
4: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville on this Selection Sunday, February 24th, uh, 2019. Thanks for taking the time to join us. If you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. By the way, the email address is incorrect. Email us dave.mchew at d3sports.com. It's all in my head, just kind of repetitive. Brendan says, am I crazy to think first-team all-conference teams should only have five players? I just was looking at one that had eight. I'm with you. Uh, we have the opinion of D3 Hoops. So you put together a team that would be on the floor. Uh, some conferences don't. They go with eight. Um, the NABC goes with eight to each their own, I guess. So a lot of the craziness, obviously, this weekend revolves around conference championships. There were a host of buzzer beaters. Albion, who ended up winning the MIAA um, <clears throat> automatic qualifier uh, with, a, with a win over Trine in the uh, championship game, got past Olivet on a buzzer beater, was unbelievable shot some people questioning whether it was really a made shot or not but if you watch the video it was a perfectly made not a made shot whether the clock started correctly anyway if you're watching the cuniac men's championship last night it was a dandy of a game uh i will say this much if you weren't watching um you missed the dandy of a finish uh csi uh no csi <laughs> uh that is their nickname staten island was able to tie it up and look like they were going to be able to win it or at least force overtime timeout to baruch went in their favor and this is how it all played out 10
6: team foul so any foul is free throws who's going to be the inbather looks like they're going to send all four players long look at this alignment it's like football here comes the push, Jack Sixman. Oh, 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 up ahead, it's Boateng oh, oh, for the title! Oh, he got it. It. <laughs> what a Where game. did he get that from? Oh! Like magic. What in the heck was that? <laughs> oh. oh. Benjamin Boatang goes for the walk-on that showed up at open tryouts to winning The CUNY Championship at the buzzer. That
1: might be an NBA top 10 right there. I've never seen that in my life. Ever. He had them line up like they were for a
6: field goal or something like that. Exactly.
0: Wow. Wow is right. Incredible finish there in uh, in New York in that one. Remember, this is the same. Uh, A Baruch team that had a miraculous shot earlier this season, or really just, what, a week or two ago, I think it was, when they had the, uh, what do you call it, Uh, butt shot for three. Remember, this is what it looked like on a play. We slowed it down so you can truly appreciate it. Uh, Ball comes loose, diving to the floor, shot clock running out. It's to four, now it's to three. The shot from the rear end using a little bit of glass, and it was good. So, I mean, anything's possible, I guess. So, right? I mean, it's Baruch. Well, we talked to John Alisi earlier today to talk about that shot, the butt shot, and getting into the NCAA tournament for the first time in a little while. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is John Alisi, the head coach of the Baruch Bearcats, who either from their rump or in a football fashion have made their way to the NCAA tournament Coach, uh, you guys certainly have made the headlines of the last few weeks, and Friday night was certainly exciting.
8: Yeah, Dave, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, however we can, you know, could grab the headlines, we'll, we'll take them. But uh, you know, happy to be here with you today.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it all ends up with us talking about you guys playing in March, and that's the most important part. You guys had a battle, to say the least, uh, against Staten Island. Uh, it came right down the end and you guys basically both teams either traded defensive stops, traded turnovers or traded big shots in the closing minutes. It it felt like either both teams wanted to win it or both teams were trying to throw it away to some degree.
8: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, certainly a tough game. Um, you know, those guys, uh, TJ Tibbs, he has Mm. done a terrific job with that program. Um, obviously a lot of familiarity with both teams TJ was um one of our former assistants before yeah. he took over at Staten Island so uh we knew going into the game that it was going to you know be carbon copy of each ca- carbon copy of each other and uh you know We were going to have to think outside the box a little bit in order to beat them, but uh, I guess we took it to, to, to an extreme there.
0: Yeah, I think you did. Uh, extreme would be the right term. The uh, Everybody line up on the end line, we're going to do a wind sprint was pretty fascinating. Uh, it looked like a football tactic to some degree. There was a D1 game a couple of weeks ago that had a similar but different play. They were looking to inbound it to kill the clock, and a couple guys did you know, Let's talk football terms did some button hooks uh, mm-hmm. or hook patterns to come back to the ball. you kind of went with a staggered start mentality. Where did you come up with the play and and has it been something that's been in your your the back of your mind for a while or was it somewhat new?
8: Yeah well you hit it on the head. Um, you know the Northern Kentucky was mm-hmm. the Division one program uh coach john brannan and um yeah that's the that was the inspiration for okay. it you know I, I think as coaches we all steal from each other and take a little bit um you know yeah. things that we like or don't like and uh you know we're always socking things in the back of our mind for the right moments and it wasn't something we thought about specifically for this game the the opportunity presented itself and, and like i said you know with the familiarity uh between teams um you know staten island knowing us real well mm-hmm. um you know a big part of our game plan was to be unpredictable and and um you know the opportunity there presented itself they did a tremendous job and making you know christian taylor our, our deserving player of the year made a um you know, incredibly tough shot to, to tie wow. the game um fortunately he left us a little bit of time to 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 <laughs> uh, you know to try to answer it back and um you know, I got to give you know, look at the, the play design has gotten most of the attention. Um, and I understand that, you know, the uniqueness of it, but, uh, I think when it boils down to it, it, you know, the players have to get all the credit because you can draw it up. Oh, sure. But, you know, if, if that shot is six inches to the right or the left, you know, we're probably not talking about the play design today. We might be, you know, we, we still would have had a chance to win the game in overtime, but, uh, one tr- terrific, um, mental focus by the mm-hmm. players to, to get it back, you know, coming off of a deflating shot mm-hmm. and to come into the huddle with the right frame of mind, um, to, to kind of see what we put down on the, on the, uh, you know, on the board and, you know, to go out there and then commit to it mm-hmm. and then execute. It was obviously the, the final part. And, and quite honestly, all five guys had, had a part to play in it. And uh, terrific recognition by our point guard, Jack Sixsmith. Um, you know, to make the pass at the right time in the right place. And then just great presence of mind by, you know, Ben Boateng to, to turn and knock the shot down.
0: I actually do want to kind of unpack the play a little bit because yeah, the play sure. design's pretty cool, but yeah, I was, I actually thought when I saw it over and over again, there were a couple things there that I found fascinating. First off, did you guys ever practice that? We did not. Okay. Um,
8: fascinating. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Like I said, it was just something that intrigued me, you know, and seeing it a few weeks back, um, You know, funny side story, uh, you know, one of our players, Andre Harris, who was the MVP of the tournament, um, texted me a few weeks back uh, with the clip of the play, you know, without us having ever talked of it, of, of the Northern Kentucky play. And, you know, I texted him back, already seen it. It's in the back of my mind, ready to put it in. And he, you know, he wrote back to me with a, with an LOL, and um, you know, I reminded him of that, uh, you know, yesterday, and, and he didn't remember the conversation at all. But um, so we did, you know. Again, it's just one of those things that you know is in the back of your mind, and just found the right time to do it. The other thing about the
0: play I found interesting was, and you hinted at it there, was the floater over the top. So you get. You at least get them back on their heels defensively because you start firing guys downfield, as it were, off the baseline, and then you obviously the last pass in has got to get in because that's your last option. Otherwise, the guys are hooking back, and at this point, the gig's up. The defense is back mm-hmm. on the on the play, so that first pass is pretty impressive. It was the next one I thought was really impressive considering you guys never practiced it that guys found space in the right spots it almost back to a football reference felt like guys finding themselves in a zone and trying to find the open space that's pretty tough to do in the moment
8: yeah well I mean there were a couple things to it one was you know Staten Island had taken the timeout in order to set their defense and and that left them with no timeouts left and you know the 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 logic behind the play was just to create confusion. Like I said, randomness, things that, you know, they might not see coming. Um, We didn't know if it was going to work. You know, it's not like we said, you know, pass here, pass there, turn and shoot. Um, The design of the play was just to cause some confusion on there, a little more confusion on their end Mm -hmm. than on our end, because I'm sure our guys were confused as well. (laughs) But, um, you know, it was really just designed to create confusion, you know, get them to a point where they didn't know where to match up. And, you know, really we, you know, what we talked about in the huddle was we just wanted to get downhill with the ball and try. you know, we thought with 4.7 seconds, I think was what was on the clock. Mm -hmm. We thought we could get all the way to the rim in that time. We thought we can get up the floor, find shooters, find a guy at the rim. Um, You know, we never talked about what specific pass he needed to Mm -hmm. look for. And it was just a real heady play um, by, by both Jack and, uh, ben, but you know, the other part that, you know, you kind of talked about was the other two guys. And if they, mm-hmm. do, you know, like, like football, if you don't run your routes the mm-hmm. right way, you know, if, you know, if you think you're not getting the ball and you kind of jog your route or you don't make a hard cut and you don't draw the attention of the defense um, you know, it's the play design's not going to, not going to be real good. Um, and, and both Andre Harris and Billy Sixmith are the two guys that we kind of sprinted to the wings in the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they ran there, you know, ran it really hard, which I think drew a lot of attention being our two, you know, primary offensive threats and mm-hmm. just kind of opened the middle of the floor up. And then, you know, then it's on the players to, to find the right pass.
0: No, absolutely. I, I felt like, again, back to that football reference, I felt like I was watching guys clear space. Um, it was really cool to watch. And then the shot. That's an elbow shot to t- to steal from whoever said it on the broadcast. That is a shot you, you do in pregame. That's a shot you do in practice. That is a common you know basketball um, practice warm-up whatever kind of shot. It, it, it may not be a very common game shot, but it's one of those where the guys are finding their range. It felt very much like that. But to turn 180 degrees and control <laughs> himself and still bury that shot, thats that was, I think, the icing on the cake. That, that was pretty impressive
8: yeah absolutely and like i said it's all it all comes down to execution you know and i think any coach will tell you you know we spend hours and hours and hours designing game plans out of bounds plays strategy uh and it all comes down to the players executing um good passing shooting uh, ultimately basketball is a game of fundamentals Mm -hmm. and skill and decision making and you know, as coaches, we're only as good as the players we coach. We put them in positions; they've got to do the hard jobs. And you know, our guys, you know, executed it beautifully. Which you know, we we hadn't been executing perfectly. You talked about it. We you know, we had a lot of turnovers, and I think it was, you know, it was a choppy game. And I think it was because of you know the quality of opponent, and you know, you know, they made things really hard for us. But you know, in a tight spot, to have the mental resolve to you know, to stay with it and and to execute, you know, something that we hadn't practiced. um, Mm -hmm. You know, I thought really, uh, you know, I got to give all the credit to those guys. They they did a great job.
0: Let's talk quickly about the season before we let you go. Staten Island actually beat you guys back in mid January and it wasn't close 74 49. It was at their place. Of course, Uh, Brooklyn then tripped you guys up the beginning of of February 65 60, but you beat now Staten Island two in the last three games are both one possession ball games and you beat Brooklyn in the middle. This last week, almost redemption type of week.
8: Yeah, um, you know, look, we, we've been really consistent all year as a team. Um, and and our, our kids do a great job, you know, preparing for every game, whether it's Staten Island or one of the bottom teams. Um, you know, I think that's been our strength um, is the way we prepare. I think we defend every game. We give ourselves a chance. Um, the Staten Island game in, in January uh, was probably our worst game of the year. Uh, we really missed a lot of shots that we normally make, and they did a lot of things to bother us. And you know, um, we were severely outcoached, you know, uh, you know in the in the game in January, we weren't as prepared as they were. Um, but sometimes it just comes down to you know, you make you see the ball go in the basket early a few times. Uh, it just kind of, changes the way you play um there was a lid on the basket you know a lot of it having to do with staten island's defensive preparation and a lot of it just us missing and you know it just we tightened up and never found a rhythm and then you know they had some different lineups out there just to try to get something going and you know in that game i felt okay getting ready to go into the half you know we had gotten it down to seven points and you know, they make a shot at the buzzer to go up nine and, you know, I was okay with where we were, where we were at, you know, the, the, the buzzer shot hurt because it took some of our momentum away, but, you know, like going into the second half down seven, um, not playing well at all. We felt like we were in a decent spot and, you know, we just never got anything going that day. And, um, a lot of credit to Staten Island um for that, but uh you know we felt if we played a good game, we would have a chance, but we would have to play a good game in order to beat them. you know mm-hmm. they weren 't going to beat themselves, and um same with Brooklyn, you know Brooklyn Jeff Baptiste does a uh, did a tremendous job with those guys mm-hmm. this year. Um, you know, they won six games last year and and uh, put together a real nice season. And um, you know, gave us fits all season long. All three games we played against them were really tough. And uh, you know, we were fortunate to play two solid games in in both the semifinals and the finals.
0: You guys will um, move on, obviously, to the NCAA tournament now. Uh, what what is the expectation that you put on everybody? It has been a little while. Um, since we've seen you guys uh, in this stage. Uh, you How much do you celebrate? How much do you start focusing? What's, what's the game plan here?
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, we gave the kids the weekend. Um, you know, these things, like, usually they don't happen often, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, for our program, this is our fifth trip to the NCAA tournament, our third conference championship um, in our history. And we've had some really good teams, but it, it you know, doesn't always happen for you, you know. And you know we wanted them to enjoy it and celebrate it and you know appreciate what we you know what we've done because it's not easy to win and it doesn't matter what conference you're in, um, you know what type of history you have, it is hard to win. and we, you know we wanted to give the kids the weekend and kind of get back to earth a little bit for tomorrow. We'll get back to practice uh, tomorrow afternoon after the after the selection show and uh, and then we'll dive head first into preparation and and um getting back into a position to win more games
0: do you guys i was going to
8: say do you guys have plans to watch the the show no we you know our most of our guys are in class um sure and uh so you know obviously that's where their focus always needs to be um but we'll get the information and our our coaching staff um you know who's done a great job all year will you know get to work and start breaking down film and figure out a way to put our guys in the best position to uh to, to be successful this weekend.
0: Well, I congratulate you guys. I didn't even get to the uh, rear end shot. We should mention that one real <laughs> quick. You guys, again, creativity. That I still think that one should have been a three. I think his rear end was behind the line and nothing else was touching. But that's just my point of view. A couple of weeks ago,
8: that one was a little bit of a dandy. Yeah, and I, I, I think you're right. Um, it wasn't one I was going to argue in, in the moment. I was happy we got <laughs> it sounds to, I was, a
0: little strange happy. if you did, right?
3: <laughs>
8: Yeah, I was happy we we got something out of that possession, Um, you know. But again, just the players, man. You got to give them the credit. And you know, the thing as a coach that I owe, you know, that I look at first and foremost is you know the presence of mind to dive on the loose ball. Yeah. And then and then the and then the presence of mind to understand what how much time was on the shot clock and get a shot up.
0: Hey, while I'm uh, down here, I mean, you know what I'm gonna do? <laughs> a little hard yeah, to use I mean, the knees. <laughs>
8: well, yeah, you know he's uh, Bryler. Look, Bryler's the heart and soul of our team, Bryler Page, and um, you know his journey has been an incredible one. He was a uh, a freshman, a reserve on the 2015 championship team, mm-hmm. um, was ready to you know really take a prominent role as a sophomore, and tore his ACL in, in mm-hmm. the third game of the season that year, and. Um, you know missed it the entire year uh, got it back as a red shirt and uh you know to see him have you know won the viral uh attention that he's received from that shot but um he's just been an incredible leader for us and and the heart and soul of our team and and really just proud of the work he's put into it and um, you know we talk all the time about if you if you do things right, you know ultimately the the individual success and accolades they'll come, they'll find their way to you and, and there's no better example of that than Bryler. So we were really happy for him to have his 15 minutes of fame and now <laughs> we um, you know just uh, were able to double down on it and, and get a little bit more attention for the program and the school and uh, and the conference, which is which is a great thing.
0: All right, so next time it's a football play to a guy who's sitting on his rump who hits the shot. you got you gotta combine them somehow.
8: Well, we'll get to work <laughs> on it, but uh, hopefully we're not going to be in those positions to need those True. things. But uh, hey, if if, if if we see it and we think it'll help us, why not?
0: Yeah, I hear you. Well, congratulations again. Great to chat with you. Uh, Thank not you, only viral, but we'll see you guys obviously on the bracket when it comes out on Monday, and we'll see you into the, the tournament on uh, next Friday. Uh, as always, give the coach, the guest, whoever, the last word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in.
8: Yeah, no, we just want to thank all of our fans that, that were there, uh, kind of pushed us to victory the other night, our administration and, and everybody in that, in our family. Um, you know, uh, we hope we make everybody proud of what we do at Baruch. And, uh, and then the last thing is Dave, just keep doing what you're doing, man, what you do for division three basketball. It's, uh, it's unparalleled, and uh, you know, just keep doing a great job.
0: Oh, thank you. Appreciate those words. Uh, look forward to talking about Baruch and saying it properly on the uh, show here coming up on Monday, and we'll talk to you soon.
8: All right, Dave. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Coach John Alisi joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. When we come back, we start talking mock selections. The team joins me to start making – get to the work. We'll also hear from the national chair, Sam Atkinson. You're listening to Hoopsville, the selection special – you're here from the D3hoops.com, WBCA, and ABC Studios. Back with more after this.
9: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
2: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills.
9: It's not just about basketball or it's not just about
2: school, it's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
10: Welcome to the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Directors' Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW Eau is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold?
4: My name
1: is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now.
3: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual
6: assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that will do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening, Selection Sunday. We're going to get ready to start our conversations, as it were, about who we think is going to be in or not in or whatever the freaking case is going to be. I don't know. Uh, We'll figure it all out as we go. A couple of quick reminders. uh, These are mock selections. Don't get your hopes up that because we selected you, you're in. Unless it's early, then you can probably have your hopes up. If it's late, it's going to be dicey. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to the team first. Then we're going to hear from Sam Atkinson, something new. We haven't talked to the committee chairs on this show before. We actually pre-taped on Friday a quick little kind of reminder to everybody and also um, kind of, hey, how's everything been going? And then we'll take a break and we'll get into it. At that point, we will have decided what we think the rankings are and at the same time probably made some selections just to get them done and dusted. So joining me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline Skype, it is in the upper corner for now, Bob Quillman with the lovely background as he always has uh ryan scott joining us as well right below bob and joining us for the first time uh the Madai men head the men's head coach we gotta work on the uh the m's there it is uh mr mike blaine sir thanks for taking the time we should point out you've served at least three years on the great lakes rack so you kind of understand how this is supposed to work
10: yes actually uh i just finished uh obviously not on the rack this season but the three seasons prior and uh obviously uh Coming into it and having not sat on the rack before, learned a lot about the process and and terms of, you know how this really goes about in terms of setting up the at-large positions. There's uh, times where, as a head coach, I saw, man, you know this team is tremendous. I I think they're fantastic, and you know surprised at why they wouldn't get a bid. And and you know three years of the regional advisory committee helped me kind of understand a little bit more of how the numbers work out. (laughs) you look to step it through and there's a lot more, there's a lot more uh, deserving teams and there are spaces for them, but uh, hopefully we can help uh, figure some things out a little bit.
0: I appreciate you coming on. I think it's a, if you had been on the committee this year, there'd been a coup uh,
10: in having you on (laughs) right now. That would have been fun. Uh, Dave McGreal from Penn State Altoona is doing a great job representing the AMCC on the Great Lakes uh, Regional Committee this year.
0: Speaking of which, uh, I think you guys are going to be having a conversation about your conference schedule uh, postseason in the future. Just just a thought. Uh, games at halftime, Penn State Burns got a 29-22 lead on LaRoche. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll jump through that hoop later, Bob, your quick thoughts on what we saw this week. I, I said at the beginning of the show, I think we finally got what we had always warned about. There's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some bubbles burst and man, did it happen this week?
9: Yeah, I'll sum it up. You know, the, the region I follow the, the most closely, of course, is the central and in the central, not a single regular season conference champion is the AQ. <laughs> That, that That's all you need to know, including the two biggies. So the CCIW's champion is not the AQ, neither is the y and that's all <laughs> I need to do to sum up how things have gone.
0: That's good. I like that sum up. That's pretty good. Ryan, you've been uh, manning the, uh, the uh, tracker for most of the week, which has probably driven you insane, but it's given you the insight, too, to kind of know what's been going on.
5: Yeah, lots of craziness, lots of of crazy upsets. I've been working most of the afternoon to sort of do the pre-work that I can for the mock bracket that we spend a lot of time on for it to be only useful for about 12 hours. Um, (laughs) True. um, But geography is going to mean a lot, especially as we've mentioned before, our top ranked teams tend to be farther west this year. So Mm. figuring that all out and and where teams go and how to properly rank it, it, it could be a difficult one.
0: It is going to be interesting. I, again, as we said, we heard from Sam Atkinson earlier. So in a moment here, we're going to hear from him officially on the show. Just what I talked to him on Friday about things leading up, how they've been doing with with uh, with rankings up until this point, what they hope to accomplish when it comes to at-large and, and bracketing. Um, and then we will start going through making our mock selections. While Sam's talking, we'll do some work behind the scenes, solidify who we think is the regional ranks, how they ranked out. We'll try and glean some information when it is available or given to us. Um, and then we'll start making selections. We may even get some selections out of the way. A reminder, Pool B goes first, then we'll get into Pool C. Pool B might be an interesting topic, so we may have a conversation about that, but I think it's, it's well locked up as well uh, and go from there. So, gentlemen, if you don't mind, we're going to go to Sam, and then you and I, we can talk behind the scenes, and then uh, we can come back after break, folks, and get you started with our mock selections. But here first, the words from the Gallaudet Associate Athletics Director for Communications and the Division Three Men's Basketball Committee Chair, Sam Atkinson. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technology. It is the Men's Basketball Committee Chair, Sam Atkinson, who is Associate Athletics Director for Communications at Gallaudet. And Sam, once again, thank you for joining us, especially with what is a little bit of a twist on what we've done in the in the past. But thank you for your time.
11: Dave, not a problem. Always glad to join you and uh, the Hoopsville audience. Well, I appreciate
0: it. Um, all right. So we, a reminder, as we did in the intro We're talking to you before the weekend's begun as kind of a reminder of what this entails. By the time this airs, you guys will be probably forehead deep (laughs) with either selections and or bracketing. Uh, There's a lot that goes into this. How have the last few weeks gone building up and how have you guys kind of gotten ready for the weekend?
11: Yeah. I think the last couple of weeks have been very thorough. Uh, i We've had really lengthy and productive discussions at the RAC level and also on the National Committee calls, and they've been very productive with us really diving into the numbers and applying the criteria consistently uh, region to region, and and that's what's important, uh, especially from the National Committee's uh, standpoint. We just want to make sure that we're being consistent. And then, you know, this year compared to maybe previous years, um, it's just been very, very thorough um, not having to worry about um, a metric or changing um, a record because of an SOS difference.
0: and you talk about that SOS uh, win-loss metric that we've used in the past, if anyone wants to dive into all that, you can go back to our marathon show and listen to our in-depth conversation about it. That said, um, how have the conversations gone? How, what, how are the conversations maybe different this year with that tool being pulled out and, and really maybe a fresher look for the men's side on things than you've traditionally had.
11: Yeah, I think in, in years previous, it seemed like sometimes if the SOS difference was so greater uh, for a team um, that certain teams would, wouldn't even get a fair shake maybe because of uh, the SOS difference and a team that might be from a lesser conference where their SOS numbers aren't as strong uh, would get glossed over in a way and and, and you know this year. I, I feel like it's been different um, You can look at different regions and certain schools that, that have uh, Kind of been there consistently in the regional rankings this year, even if they SOS hovering around 500 or even below uh, so I think that's that's important and, and you know not having to um, I guess gloss over that and, and skip certain schools maybe in the past where you know, the SOS was so strong for one team that it made up the difference in the win-loss. So this year, I really think that we've been looking at that, and, and it's really, I, you can't just, again, you can't set a number for this. Mm-hmm. And it's really case by case, and by comparison, when we save and compare different schools, it, you're really looking at the entire resume of each team, and you're really looking at the primary criteria, and the secondary criteria and applying that. And you're diving into the numbers, and you're not looking just at uh, three regionally ranked wins compared to one. It's really who did they beat.
0: Yeah, it seems like, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouths, I don't want to say the SOS win-loss would end the conversation necessarily. I know all the criteria is looked at, but it feels like the rest of the criteria now is more on even playing field than maybe it was perceived in the past, rightly or wrongly.
11: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment and and comment on that. And, you know, as a reminder to your viewers, you know, looking at the primary criteria, it's not just win-loss percentage and in-division SOS. You you know, sometimes you have that division Mm head-to-head. It's the results versus common division opponents and results versus all division-ranked opponents, uh, which is, you know, definitely has really played a role recently as more teams are playing um, more games, of course, but then also into conference tournament play, and we're going to see that um, a lot on Sunday once mm-hmm. all those tournament games are over.
0: When you talked, you hinted at it with that results versus regionally ranked opponents. We mention this a lot, but I, I want to make sure we dive in and understand it for anybody who's new to this. This isn't a hard win-loss number um, for you guys data-wise. You really take that word results to as far as you're willing to take it, to understand what that data really means. And just because someone has maybe a below 500 record, as it were, in that doesn't really mean a hill of means.
11: Yeah, and I think it might be misleading on the NCAA team sheets where it does say um, a percentage next to that yeah. results versus ranked opponents. Uh, so, you know, if you were – you know, one in one in four and being, you know, you know 0. 0.250, yeah, I think that's misleading. Um, again, I think it's important for, for your viewers and, and fans of Division three basketball to understand that we're looking at, you know, A, the, the wins, but then, you know, who do they beat? Is it the top team from a certain region? Is it, um, you know, the seventh or eighth ranked team from a different region or their own region? So I think that's very important for everybody to understand. It's not just... Um, you know, one win and against another team's one win is the same.
0: And we should also point out that in the secondary criteria, the non-conference SOS is in play. I feel like that has, from a layman's point of view, trying to look at it from a you know read the tea leaves, that feels like that has come into play maybe a little bit more often and that granted could also be because the SOS win loss metrics been pulled and you're, you're going into the secondary criteria, maybe more than you are, but that non-conference SOS feels like it's been an important thing for you guys.
11: Yeah. And, and again, too, you know, it's a secondary criteria and, it, and that along with a non-division win loss percentage and results versus common non- non-division opponents, which is a very <laughs> rare stat you, you will ever come across. Sure. Uh, but sometimes it happens. You never know. And, um, you know, we don't, you know, penalize a team a lot of teams play up in those non-division win-loss and they play uh, Either uh, a game against Division 1 or Division 2 opponent, but we all also seen some schools scheduling non delay schools mm-hmm. um, So you know, to some degree too, like we want to encourage Division 3 coaches, you know to, to play as many Division 3 games as possible yeah. uh, For that but going back to your point I think in years past, sometimes we didn't get to the secondary criteria sure. because we can make a decision off the, the first page. And there's still times this year where we're making decisions off the first page that we don't get to the secondary. So we have we have seen uh, how the division Nine conference SOS is playing a role when we get to the second page or the secondary criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain teams that, you know, their non-conference SOS is... Stronger than their in-division SOS, mm-hmm. and there's others where their non-conference SOS is very weak uh, compared to their in-division SOS. So it's been a, a good um, kind of tiebreaker uh, when you're, you're looking at two teams that we can't, uh, you know, determine off the front page.
5: Sure.
0: Moving forward to looking at what you need to accomplish this weekend, obviously, at large picks and all of that jazz. Uh, rearrange, you know, getting the rank, rankings set for you to do that work. Again, a reminder that one team is at the table from each region at a time when you make a decision, and then that team is replaced from the region. You're, you're not looking any further down than whoever is at the table from each region.
11: Yeah, we're not allowed to do that. Usually when we're looking at our computer screens, we'll only see those eight teams um, in front of us. And it's based off the region um, regional rank, rankings that we do on Sunday morning, uh, we'll take a pause in the afternoon for the rest of Sunday's championship games, and then we'll reevaluate the regional rankings then and finalize them before we start our pool C selections. Mm-hmm. And once we start the pool C selections, that's when we see uh, the top teams that did not receive um, their AQs um, come to the table, per se, and we'll see them on our screen of um, you know, eight different teams that we're trying to compare against.
0: And you don't know who's put into host. You don't know any of that other ancillary information when you pick teams, and you don't even know how you're going to bracket necessarily when you're picking teams. Is that is that a fair assessment, or or is some of that information sneaking in?
11: I mean, we the deadline's come and gone for teams to put in the host. Uh, we do have a list that we can work off of, but we don't determine sites until all the teams have been selected. Um, you and, know, you and you don't and you don't
0: determine selections based on that either. Picking another team no. could make it really easy for you to bracket.
11: Of course, yeah, of course, you know, and I think as a national committee, this is something that we've already discussed earlier this week as far as the the listing of who put in the, the host. But um, it's a long list, and it's not yeah. you know there are some teams on there that won't make the tournament that just put in every year sure. just so they're covered. Um, so. We have that list. We, we looked at it, but we have not said, like, we're going to go to these 16 sites. Um, so it's just helpful that once we have our field selected, and before we go into bracketing, we kind of have an idea of, our here's who uh, put in the host, and we're looking at our top 16, and we try our best um, to make that happen. But as you've mentioned and alluded to before, this being an odd year, mm-hmm. uh, the women's basketball We'll have first selection for the first weekend, and the men the preference on the sectionals in the second weekend. So um, you know we, we do our best, and you know you know, I guess oh. our hands are tied sometimes with the yeah. travel, but we, we 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 do everything we can to, to make this a, a national tournament.
0: Knowing what you see, kind of alluding to to where I was heading next. Knowing what you've seen so far in rankings, what you know about in the bracketing process and such what is the committee's overall goal or hopes when it comes to bracketing this season?
11: Dave, I think in the last couple years on, on this committee, we've done a really good job to uh, make this a national committee, a national tournament and and try to get certain schools away from certain uh, regions. And we try to diversify our pods to have as many regions represented as possible, um, and we just try to uh, extend the distance as best we can. So um, it's a great experience for the for the student athletes.
0: You talked about again. You alluded to the the odd numbered year being a women's priority in the first weekend. Uh, again, can handcuff you a little bit in that in the, in your hopes of bracketing. What do you what do you hope to, to make sure to avoid any issues? I I can think of a number of years ago when. The women forgot to come back to the men and tell them about a change in their bracketing. That kind of ended up screwing up some of the uh, hosting situations for the men. We're past that, but what do you? What are the situations in 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 place to allow you to know how the what they're do what they're doing and how you need to adjust?
11: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think for us, it's it's a, just a communication between the NCAA liaisons for men's basketball and women's basketball to communicate. Um, where we're thinking and and where the Women's Basketball Committee is thinking for their sites. And, you know, we've already had some discussions um, to make sure that we have things in place ready for Sunday to make sure that the information is getting transmitted uh, to each other.
0: Obviously can make it a little bit challenging for you guys trying to put the the bracket you want together. Uh, Are you already considering alternative options?
11: Yeah, yeah, of course, and nothing's set in stone right no, now. Absolutely, not. As, as we've seen on Thursday, uh, with the amount of upsets that have already happened in conference play, and I'm sure it will continue this weekend. It's just that you know we have to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, <laughs> and, and just make <laughs> You can keep cont- going. <laughs> exactly, you just have to make contingency plans for if something falls through. Where could we go next? And and that's where it just gets a little difficult. We try to we basically turn into travel agents on Sunday night, (laughs) um, trying to make sure we can get teams to certain areas. Um, But again, we we do our best with what what the guidelines are, and we really are trying to make them you know the most national tournament possible for Division three men's basketball.
0: I want to reclarify something. We should always point out the Racks are advisory. They're not technically the ones who put the rankings in place, and then you guys rubber stamp. You're in charge as a national committee of putting those um, com- those rankings together. You're using the Rack as advice and, and giving you um, that information. But with that said, how have the Racks done this year for you guys? And ha- has it have they been on point for you for for the most part, or have you had to make a lot of adjustments considering how much that metric kind of move things in a different direction in the past?
11: Yeah, I, I think w- with that change in having some um, returning veteran rack members, there was early on in the first couple of rankings, just trying to make sure we break that habit of not uh, converting that metric and using that formula to change records or anything like that. And, it's, you know, new members, they, they hit the ground running and they were all, mm-hmm. all in and there wasn't an issue there. Uh, but, you know, our jobs as members of the national committee being the chairs for those different regions is to kind of be the moderator and facilitator uh, to the racks to keep the discussion moving and also making sure that the criteria is being applied uh, correctly. And then on those Wednesday mornings that turn into afternoons for us um, yeah. on the national call, we just go through each region to make sure everything was applied correctly. And we give that feedback to our RACs as chairs, and we've really seen, um, especially the last week, um, everything has been uh, consistent and just making sure that um, everybody's on the same page. And to also just want to um, make sure your fans know, too, that, um, you know, all these RAC members are our coaches, and we, we do lean on them since they're, they're the ones that are representing their leagues. But also... Um, you know, they volunteer their time to be a part of that, too. So it's a thankless job, um, and we really appreciate all their hard work over over this this season to help us with that.
0: You mean people aren't making thousands of extra dollars doing this, Sam? <laughs> no.
11: Far from it, Dave. Far yes, from
0: far it. from it is the right word of saying. Before we let you go, anything else you want to stress to those tuned in about the the process, whether it's the – the rankings, the the at large selections, the, the 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 bracketing, whatever it is, anything else that you think needs to be stressed uh, for people to appreciate how this works.
11: Yeah, and again, I think you know people just need to understand that we have certain uh, guidelines that we have to follow, and, we're, and you can trust trust me and the national committee that we're doing our best to make sure that we have a national tournament feel to it, um, and, and doing the best that we can. Uh, I'm sure on Monday there will be some unhappy fans and, and teams and coaches because their team didn't get an at-large position. But, you know, the nice thing about Division III basketball, and especially if you're playing a conference that has an AQ, every team had a chance, chance to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, everybody had an opportunity, and, and it definitely makes life easier for those teams that win their conference. Uh, and then it really boils down to us this year picking that Pool B uh, one one team and then picking uh, 20 at-large teams, that's going to be difficult, especially once there's uh, been some upsets in conference tournaments this this past week.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't envy you guys. I know we spend enough time on it. I know you, our time, though, is a drop in the bucket compared to what you guys do. So thanks for your time and joining us here on the show again in a pre-taped segment. I appreciate it. Good luck this weekend, and we look forward to touching base with you on Monday after it's all been put to bed.
11: Thanks, Dave. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Absolutely. Sam Atkinson joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Sorry for the pregnant pause there, folks. We're working on some tech issues. Of course, you know... Can't go a Hoopsville major show without a tech issue. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start getting into the selections. You may just hear my voice for a little bit until we solve them. But in the meantime, we'll come back and get into our selections. We've already made some tough decisions. We'll see what the rest of the crew thinks about them. you listen to Hoops Hope. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC ABC
4: Studios. More Hoopsville when we get back. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
2: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. Guess what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
6: Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that will do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today.
1: It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now.
3: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us
6: to stop sexual assault.
0: Welcome back, everybody. We got some of the technology fixed. Woo. Hey. Uh, Welcome back to the Hoopsville Show as we are trying to select who we think is into the NCAA tournaments for the men's and women's side of things. It gets a little complicated here, so you're going to have to tap dance with us, but we're going to get things rolling. I'm going to bring back in the crew, as it were called. Uh, You're going to see a little blank box there for a little bit with me, but I will eventually be reappearing, but you'll hear me in the meantime. Of course, it is Bob Quillman in the upper right, Ryan Scott in the lower right, and our new friend. Hello, Coach Mike. Uh, just because you have a coach on your name, but does not mean we will listen to you,
9: by the way. By the uh, way, I think it's cool that we actually have credibility in the process this year. Right. You know,
5: right.
0: Usually, we did our best yeah, to create.
9: Brian and I just make stuff up, and it's it, it sounds good to us, but now we have someone that's been on the rack. He's like really done this for real, so yeah. I, this is like a real show now.
10: Wow. Exactly. <laughs> well, I wouldn't well. go that far, but we'll do what we can to help out.
0: Yeah, we put some <laughs> pressure on him now. <laughs> No pressure, okay? Uh, but we expect a lot from you now. Um, first and foremost, guys, thanks, for as always, for coming in. Let's talk a little bit here that we're kind of going on some regional rankings that we are kind of guesstimating ourselves um, based on lots of different scenarios, let's say, based on what we think is best. A little bit of insight from Mike as well on what we think and how this plays out. Um, who wants to kind of give everybody a sense of where we are? First off, we're going to have to choose a pool B here. I don't think we necessarily announce every single regional ranking team, but Bob, is there any highlights in each of the rankings maybe that we should point out to people to keep in mind?
9: Well, I'll just quickly go through. I think the most important thing for what we're going to do today is the order of the pool C teams in our projected final regional ranking. That's the most important thing for us. Cause we have to know who to put on the board when we select somebody and I'll just, Quickly roll through that. So in the Atlantic, that order is New Jersey City, Ramico, Ramapo, Montclair State. Um, in the Central, it's Augustana, Oshkosh, Wheaton, Stevens Point, and unfortunately, Illinois Wesleyan probably doesn't factor into this conversation. But I wanted to just say that they're on that. That. that well, list. you'd
0: have to come off the call for any CCIW team. I anyway. would. <laughs> I would
9: have to come off the call. Um, <laughs> in the in the East region, the order of the pool is Rochester, Plattsburgh State, and then it. Uh, I think we'll find that it doesn't matter. If it does, we'll we'll list the next ones in the Great Lakes: Marietta, Worcester, Capital, Mount Union, Wilmington, Wabash, is our order. Um, in the Middle Atlantic: York, Salisbury, Mary Washington, Johns Hopkins, and Drew. In the Northeast, which is a big region uh, with a lot of moving parts: Hamilton, Williams, MIT, Middlebury, Eastern Connecticut, Gordon. Colby Wesleyan in the South, a couple teams we didn't think were going to be on this list a few hours ago. Randolph-Macon, mm-hmm. center. Um, both teams got upset today. Washington and Lee. And then I'm not sure it matters too much. Roanoke and Lynchburg. And in the mm-hmm. West, uh, the highest pool C in the West, we've got as Loras, then St. Thomas, then Whitworth, and then Bethel. So that's the order we're using as we work through this process.
0: Yeah, we'll see how this all plays out. I'll admit, uh, this has been one of those crazy weekends. I'm leaning a little bit more on these guys, but we have all the data. got four heads. We'll see if they they end up being smarter than the rest of us. Let's start with Pool B. By the way, we will have graphics up eventually here. Detailing selections we have and who we have at the table. You're going to have to bear with me as I'm tap dancing with a number of things. And we will take some commercial breaks. We also have a couple of interviews to get to. So we may do a little bit of work here, and we actually might go right to another interview to kind of hash some things out. But... Gentlemen, we start with Pool B. Really, in my opinion, this is down to two teams, Gwyneth Mercy or Thomas Moore. And Thomas Moore lost this weekend, which kind of surprised me in the MCC. Is this a a done and dusted? This goes Gwyneth Mercy's way, or is there a curveball I'm not seeing?
9: I I think it's Gwyneth Mercy. I can't see another reasonable option here, Dave. I'm looking at their their numbers, and they're not great, by the way. I mean, 704 winning percentage, 495 SOS. 0 and 2, uh, RRO. So these are not numbers that would be anywhere near a pool C selection. But I think that's the best option for pool B, unless Mike and Ryan, you guys see that differently. Nope.
5: That no, seems like the, the best spot.
0: Well, fine Absolutely. then, guys. Thanks for making that anticlimactic. Um, so we're pretty comfortable with saying then that the, Gwen and Mercy is going to be our pick in as the pool B. Correct. Yeah. Very yes. Good. Yes. Correct. I like how you all think. Thank you very much for making that easy. Uh, I'm going to put that at least up on the board and obviously point out that we are into Pool C at this point. We will start filling in at the table graphic momentarily, which basically means top team left on the on the table uh, from each conference or each region, I should say, and we will go from there. I'm going to hold off because we've kind of all decided that there's a group of them at least. Let's start with eight that we think is kind of a slam dunk. And, Bob, this comes down to the conversation we had earlier. We had a lot of upsets.
9: Hmm. We, we did. We've got a lot of teams that uh, – look, we, you always assume there's going to be a certain number of upsets. I'd have to think if there's, there have been more than expected. I usually figure there's going to be five big ones. And if we look at the list right now, Augustana was a big one. Randolph-Macon was a big one. Oshkosh was a big one. Um. Help me out here. I guess Worcester, but I don't consider that a big one because that was just a flip with Wittenberg. To me, that was like a no, no big deal. I guess St. Thomas, but that's a flip with St. John's. So as I look at this, what there's, there's four-ish upsets that seem to have impacted the board at this point.
5: Yep.
0: Anybody else's thoughts? Wow. You guys are <laughs> stellar tonight.
5: Bob's speaking for everyone. He's got it down.
0: I, apparently. We're going to give Bob too much credit. Um, so what we're oh, going to Dave, do is, Dave. I
10: think I think just before we get before yeah. we get into it, I know this a little bit deeper down the line. Uh, just as we talked about in this model, uh, we spoke about uh, tentatively uh, penciling Laroche in uh, as an AMCC. Uh, Pool A selection obviously that game is still ongoing uh, but uh, just for those you know watching in the great lakes region uh, that is uh, that's how we're, we're setting up the, the great Lakes regional rank right, right <laughs> I say
0: now. that now i'm now go- I'm starting to get a little nervous um, they're down by ten with eleven to
10: play uh,
0: <laughs> oh, so I'm starting to go oh no <clears throat> that well, being said that is kind yeah. of where my thinking was
9: looking yep. at LaRoche's numbers in terms of their SOS and their their regionally ranked I think we have some time to get ourselves down to the very end of the bubble before we yeah. need to talk about LaRoche. And so they either need to erase that 10-point deficit or we're just going to be at about spot 18 before we start talking about them, which is not bad.
0: It's very possible. Um, by the way, I have a request from the viewers, Mike, uh, to back up from the camera you're scaring the children. That's from Bobby <laughs> Hughes. <laughs> uh head coach
10: CSAC, at... cha- CSAC champion Bobby Hughes apparently. exactly so.
0: head coach at Rosemont congratulations when, when you win
10: your conference you get these kind of these kind of perks, perks here so yes CSAC champ. we will talk to Rosemont
0: later in the show on Great. the women's side
10: on the women's yeah. side see what I did there
0: uh psyched you out psyched everybody out um all right so I've got let's see here are, are we comfortable how far are we comfortable gentlemen how far we this have... are we good
9: yeah, we've talked about it, Dave. I think we're all good with that list. Um, so let me just set the stage and say we can't do 20 rounds of Pool C oh. otherwise they'll be here till four in the morning. <laughs> so what we did is we, we went through a list, and we stopped and we said, "Where does the list end where there's no debate?" And we picked 11 teams that we think there is really no drama, and we're going to post those on the Pool C board on D3boards.com. Oh. There's a new thread.:
0: And on the graphic.
9: Right. We're going to post those in two places. And uh, then we're going to put the round 12 board. So we're going to have these are the these are the eight teams at the table. And that's where our process will start. And so I'll put that now on the uh, board. Dave can do his fancy graphic and we'll be in.
0: We have our first 11 teams in no brainers on a lot of these. And by the way, the initials before them represent the region we pulled them from. We only went with their overall record at the end. I'm not putting all the, the uh, data on there. That's, that'd be insane. Um, but Augustana is our first pick, then Randolph-Macon, Hamilton, then Williams, UW-Oshkosh, Loris, Marietta, York, Pennsylvania getting in pretty high from our vantage point, then St. Thomas, Worcester, and Rochester. That is now scrolling on your screen. Um, I'm actually going to trim down Randolph-Macon to RM. Oh, no, I can play with that another way. But that's how we got it so far. Gentlemen, you feel comfortable with that?
9: Yeah, I think that the key about that list is the order. Again, this comes down to how we regionally rank teams at the end. So we have Augustana ahead of Oshkosh. We have Hamilton ahead of Williams. Um, all of those are stacked up, we believe, in the correct order. We have Loris ahead of St. Thomas, which you could probably debate that one, but we believe Loris remains ahead of St. Thomas, and we feel very good about those eleven. And that's where kind of we started then debating teams. And we figured we need to just walk through that on the show uh, starting in round 12.
0: So we will do that in just a moment as we get our, our our bearings here. Ryan, you've been a little bit quiet. You good with all this so far?
5: Yeah, I just thought I'd mention that you, you, you said York PA right up there. Um, they lost five or six seniors from last year. I believe yeah. that was one of the teams that asked specifically not to be included in our preseason right. poll Correct. because they didn't. Think they would be there, and and they are. So, Thousand
0: point scorers, right?
9: Yeah, you're right. That's a blast back to October and getting our ballot for the first time, and it said York has requested not to be voted on, or they they're not yeah. going to submit any stuff. Well, here they are. They're one of our first eleven in.
0: Yeah, pretty crazy to say the least. Um, gentlemen, any other thoughts uh, to add before we get into what will be essentially be round twelve?
9: I'm all good. All right, they are now
0: at the table sitting in the lower left-hand corner. If you're wondering, the first number is winning percentage. Second is their actual number. Third number is SOS. Fourth is results versus regionally ranked opponents, best we can calculate. We don't have non-conference SOS on there. We could certainly add that. But let's not muddy up the waters too much uh, either. Uh, Gentlemen, all right, so let's do at least one to give everybody a sense of how we do this. We'll Mm -hmm. then take a break. Um, and go to another interview that we have, one of those teams that punched their bubble and kind of shook things up, Alfred men's basketball into the tournament for the first time since 97. We'll talk to their head coach coming up. But let's at least go through the process now for a few minutes, give everybody a sense of what we're looking at, what we're trying to decide, and uh, what we can maybe do to improve things. And uh, again, at the table, representing the the Atlantic region is New Jersey City. Wheaton is representing the Central. Plattsburgh is representing the East. Capital's there from the Great Lakes. Salisbury from the Mid-Atlantic. MIT from the northeast, center from the south, and Whitworth sitting there from the west. A reminder, we might see a team sitting here from here on out and may have sat there the whole time and doesn't get selected just because you're at the table. You guys had a really good conversation about this. If you don't mind, can you rehash a little bit of what you guys were saying? I just want to have the audience hear a little bit of what you guys discussed the last few minutes that I was overhearing.
9: Well, I think that where we were debating is that um, we were talking about whether MIT should be in this list of safe teams, like should we have just posted 12 teams? And and I felt that MIT, um, ha- that 1 and 0 was, was kind of a bad number in the RRO. Um, I looked at, you know, the safe teams to me have good numbers across the board, like there's no drama there. And when I look at MIT, by the way, I think they're absolutely going to get in here, in our process. But the 1-0 and 0 was enough for me to put them here on the board at 12. And I think, Ryan, you may have felt that they should have been on that safe list.
5: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the last three teams we put in, St. Thomas, Worcester, Rochester, at least have similar numbers to MIT. But ultimately, I agree that the, the versus regionally ranked opponents uh, makes the difference. And that's why those three teams are in, and, and MIT's still on the board.
0: Mike, anything you can to add to that? Considering you you know how that VRRO is used more than than we do, we just go with what has been told to us over the years.
10: Yeah, the the regional ranked opponents uh, record obviously helps a lot uh, to give some context uh, within that SOS and and uh, win loss percentage. And so a lot of times, if you know, if you see a team that uh, has you know a third to maybe a half of their games almost. As, uh, competing against regionally ranked opponents, that can really bolster their schedule, even if they have a couple of losses. Uh, whereas if a team's only showing one or two uh, games played, you know, and one and zero oh, in, in this case with MIT, uh, you don't have as much uh, context for them against uh, the best in the in the regions for where to slot them on the national board, and so that's really uh, that's really something that regional ranking uh, opponent record really helps give a greater context uh, in, in a national scale, uh, and so that can uh, that I, I see where Bob could uh, you know have a little bit of concern with MIT, you know, from a from a, a national no brainer perspective uh, with. A little bit of a question mark in one of the primary categories.
9: And I think the, uh, maybe to to narrow this down to two, just so we can debate this and make a pick. um, I look at Capital on this board as the the team that would be the one to stack up against MIT. So Capital 741, and four. The six in terms of the wins and the 10 in terms of the total stacked up against MIT with that 846, which is a fantastic winning percentage, the 555, which is a very strong SOS, but the 1 and 0, I think this is where you start comparing apples and oranges and and who you go with. I personally like Capital's resume there in round 12, but certainly I'm I'm open to if, if MIT is the pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of with Ryan. It feels strange that MIT is not there, but I think that's something that I think we need to drive home a lot of times because sometimes a team that I test looks good, that we know is good, can have some criteria that just goes, whoa, you know, that doesn't look as good as I thought it was going to be. And and sometimes teams luck out that a team that they thought was going to be good ends up not being, and, and we're going to be talking about them later. If they don't freaking come back in this game, they're down by eight now. You know, and LaRoche, who actually put together a pretty good out-of-conference schedule, it just didn't pan out their way. So I'm with Ryan with MIT, but I agree that that, that VRRO data kind of jumps at you and you go, whoa, they're not in as great a shape as I thought they were. So to throw the wrench into things. <laughs> oh, of course you will. First one out New, of the gate, we're going to throw the wrench.
5: <laughs> if we're going to talk capital, we also have New Jersey City up there with the identical record winning percentage, slightly better SOS. Um the same six wins, a couple extra losses. Of course, their conference is basically the entire Atlantic region uh, regional ranking, so that's gonna throw those those numbers off a little bit, but capital has you
9: know a lot of their conference in theirs as well. so uh,
5: those would be similar numbers.
9: I would agree that uh, as we look at New Jersey City and capital, that I think you'd have to pick New Jersey City. I think it's a really good catch. like to me. Their numbers are almost identical. It's just that they have a little bit better SOS, and they have two more games versus regionally ranked opponents. I think six and six is better than six and four, as I look at it. I probably picked New Jersey City. Now that Ryan has pointed that out,
10: yeah, I think the uh, I think. You know, Bob makes a good point in terms of the uh, number of wins for regional ranked opponents. If if that's equal, and then you've got a higher percentage of games won. You know, six, you know, you win 60% of your games against regional ranked opponents as opposed to 50% of your games. Obviously, both teams have a lot of. Uh, have a lot of regionally ranked opponents on their schedule, which which helps uh, you know in the national standpoint, but uh, then if you've got six and six even, then you're looking okay, winning percentage, one team won sixty percent of those games, the other one won fifty percent of those games uh, it's It's razor thin, but those are kind those are the kind of discussions that are, are are taking place when you're having this you know this deep of a dive to try to make sure uh, you've got the right teams in the right order. Let me ask so you then one, Mike well quick, let me ask one more question. Okay,
0: percentage is nice, but we've always been told it's not necessarily percentage. Aren't you also diving into who did they beat? Are they a higher ranked team? Are they a mid ranked team? Are they a low ranked team?
10: Well, I think uh, you know. I think Bob made a, a good point uh, earlier. Obviously, a lot of that depends on. Who they're playing and, and when they're playing them. In this particular case, New Jersey City again with with the with the NJAC having the top you know having uh, uh, a stronghold on the top four uh, regional rankings in that uh, uh, in that region in the Atlantic region uh, that they're really looking at interconference you know interconference games which uh, provide you know uh, a lot of challenges in and of themselves just going through the conference ringers. Whereas you might have to. Uh, uh, Take a deeper look and figure out, okay, who do we play out of conference and how did that team, uh, how did that team uh, fare in its conference and and how is it regionally ranked uh, for those and and give a little bit of uh, give a little bit of uh, a benefit to those that may have pushed themselves outside of conference in addition to the rigors of some tough conferences like the NJAC, like the OAC.
5: Um, Then my other question is, at what point um, are teams considered close enough that that the committee looks at the secondary criteria?
10: Yeah, usually, obviously, uh, you're looking at those winning percentages, and you're looking at those SOS numbers, and if there's not... Uh, a really discernible difference, uh, obviously in this you know particular case, like an SOS of 546 versus an SOS of 551, that would basically be a push. Uh, in in you know most uh, in most cases, uh, you'd be looking at regional rankings. You'd be looking at some type of head-to-head, maybe even a deeper dive of a mutual opponent that wasn't regionally ranked, and and where that game might have been played uh, for each opponent. So you know when, when you get past those three primaries, then you are trying to take a, a much uh, a Much finer tooth comb to, to, to sift through uh, all this information.
9: I think it's a great point And it's a good one to start on because if we weren't at at spot 12 if we were at spot 19 or 20 We would definitely go into a whole bunch of stuff here We would pull up all the opponents and look at that now We we can say for you know pretty certainty here is is that we both of these are going to get picked in our process These are good resumes But those resumes are identical you know, basically, you, it's hard to pick. So you do need to get deeper. If we were at the end of the bubble here, I'd, I'd say for the interest of the the round, do we agree that New Jersey City is a pick over Capital, and then we can make a quick decision on New Jersey City over MIT? But do you guys feel like New Jersey City is good to be over Capital here, or
5: do you I, like? I think so.
10: Yeah, I, I would based on the uh, the two extra regional ranked uh, regional ranked opponent games. So then,
9: it just comes down to: Do we like it's apples and oranges kind of resumes? Do we like New Jersey City, with their kind of balanced resume, or do we like MIT with the bigger winning percentage and the five fifty five SOS? For me, my vote would be New Jersey City. I just I like the the RRO here. So
5: my my only question with this is: When you've got uh, an SOS that's very similar, like these two. Um, we can assume that the opponents are going to be similar caliber, right? I mean, the fact that they're in different regions and New Jersey City has more opportunity to play regionally ranked opponents does that play into the conversation at all? Um, you know, MIT played just as tough a schedule by the SOS numbers and won three, two more games. You know, how how do we factor that into things?
9: I think that's where the system you could say is a little bit tricky, a little bit flawed, and that I think at this stage you are. Assuming for the most part, which we, we know isn't completely accurate, that these teams have had similar opportunities, even though we know that that's not the case. As we look at teams with a million RRO versus teams that have one or two, but I don't know how else to separate that when you're making these, these decisions.
0: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, I feel like I'm walking my way back from MIT again here because, you know, New Jersey City did go out there and challenge themselves. Got a hat off to the NJAC teams that have finally figured this out, by the way, that they've got to go out there and challenge themselves. Nothing against MIT. I think they get in eventually, but I just don't know if they get in here.
9: Well, look, they're in a region, they're in the Northeast, where there are a million regionally ranked teams every year, right? So you can go play all of those good NESCAC teams, and and plenty of options. So for me, if you're in the Northeast and you have one game versus regionally ranked, I think that's a flawed resume. Again, they're going to get it.
0: Well, um, their, their conference also bit them. I mean, we didn't have Springfield and some others who normally are ranked. But I, I agree with your point, Bob.
9: You know what I mean? It looks scheduling's hard, and this isn't a perfect science. But if you're evaluating teams, I think the team that's got the better resume here is New Jersey City.
0: I agree. By the way, just as a note, MIT played Endicott this year, Tufts, Keene State, um, and their conference. Th- those are a lot of games that have been yep. regionally ranked opponents in the past. That's kind of interesting. No
9: question. No yeah. question. Yeah. Tufts, really interesting. It, it's what, a, a year ago and two years ago. So, yeah, some of this is just bad luck in terms yeah. of when you well, get it. No question.
5: And this is another one that I think they'll get in eventually. And I'm okay with, with putting NJCU in here as the next pick.
0: So I think we're going to insert them and then move on. We're going to take a break here. So our next pick, and we will update the graphics when we get an opportunity here, will be New Jersey City. Is that consensus, by the way, gents? Yes, let's do it. So New Jersey City will be our next pick. Now, we're going to take a break from this live while we go and hash out some more picks because we had some great upsets in the tournament, Uh, ones worth talking about in conference races. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk to, I believe it's, yeah, it's Alfred up next. <laughs> They're into the tournament for the first time since 97. We'll talk to them while we also do work behind the scenes. Just listen to the Hoopsville Selection Sunday special presented by D3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More with, more with the crew and more with coaches when we come back.
6: UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world.
3: I used to never really talk. Ever.
1: This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today.
2: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. And welcome back,
0: everybody, to Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com, or join us on, actually, do it again, dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Got a question from somebody already regarding uh, the possibility of being in the tournament um, from ETBU Women. We'll be talking about women a little bit later in the program. In the meantime, while we're continuing to do work on our committee, uh, we wanted to still talk to coaches tonight. One of those we definitely wanted to talk to was Russ Phillips. Alfred is into the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1997. We had to talk to them as they are flying the Empire 8 flag. I talked to him earlier today. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technology. It is the head coach of Alfred. It is Russell Phillips. First and foremost, congratulations on winning the AQ and and getting your dancing shoes on.
7: Appreciate it, Dave. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a fun week and uh, definitely a lot of excitement uh, in Alford, New York, right now.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Did everybody get sized properly uh, for the for the dancing?
7: <laughs> oh yeah, I think uh, I think that our guys and, uh, and then a couple, you know, about two thousand other fans, I think, are all ready to go <laughs> dancing. Actually, I don't know if they stopped since uh, Saturday night, but
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, win over St. John Fisher, obviously at home, taking advantage of that. We'll talk more about that in a minute. First, as we indicated in our in our intro, first uh, AQ since 97 for the Saxons. I will be honest, this is a team that felt very much under the radar and for a mixture of reasons. I know you had a couple of vocal fans trying to figure out why you weren't regionally ranked. And to be honest, you know, you look at the criteria, you look at your data. There isn't a lot there besides Mm -hmm. the win loss percentage what I think is interesting is it seems like you guys figured something out because by mid January, you had already racked up four losses, which isn't horrible, but you had a two game losing streak against Nazareth and Sage on the road, both somewhat close games. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like you went on a tear. That's when it seemed like things kind of, kind of clicked for you guys. And, and it, and it, is that fair? Is that a good way of looking at it? Like you almost had two different seasons there.
7: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, that's i think that's you know pretty much spot on as we, we started to come together and things started to click a little bit uh you know we started the year with 10 freshmen on our roster uh we graduated two you know big time starters last year and then a, another senior off the bench that played a ton of minutes so we knew coming in we weren't uh we weren't scheduling you know to try to get in that large bit i remember uh when i worked for for tom Spanbauer, he said you know make sure you schedule to give your chance give yourselves a chance to win the league um so with with all those new pieces it it, it took a while uh, you know we we've come a long way since the beginning of the year um our senior class has been excellent in bringing along all those all those freshmen and getting them ready uh and keeping them kind of hungry and, and seeing the big picture you know when we're mm-hmm. doing some monotonous you know basic drills um and then things started to click and we were able to to you know, kind of steal one at Stevens on the road in overtime, and then uh, kind of kind of got in a roll and it just kept going. So um, we were happy to be kind of be peaking uh, in February this year.
0: I don't want to get into the weeds on this one, but you make an interesting comment that the advice was schedule so you can do well and win the conference, and I totally get that. But is there also a point of trying to schedule, or, or have you thought of having a situation where you're trying to schedule to also best position yourselves? Because let's be honest. You don't win this, you're not getting in. But that's – in the E8, we've had teams get in as at-large teams in the past. You could position yourself that way. I'm just kind of curious it, where that mentality truly is for you guys.
7: Sure. Um, and, and I think hopefully our program gets to a spot where we can do that. Um, you know, okay. hindsight's always twenty twenty. 20 um, But coming into this year, that wasn't really um, at the forefront of our thoughts, kind of making those decisions. Sure. I know – you could see like Nazareth in our league. I, I thought they definitely did that this year. You know, playing you know Rochester, Washington, and Lee, uh, they challenged themselves with their non-league schedule, um, and I thought it made a lot of sense given where where they were at um, last year and who they had coming back. Um, you know, so if hopefully if we can get to that spot and, and start doing that, then if that's what's best for us, and that's what we'll do.
0: And you got again this great run. You you beat Stevens on the 19th in overtime. You then got him again on the on the eighth at home in overtime and the last four games featured St. John Fisher, Nazareth, Stevens, St. John Fisher. You mm-hmm. you went through the traditional heavyweights and Nazareth certainly, I mean I was voting for him top 25 at the beginning of the season. They certainly yep. had high expectations for the year. Stevens playing out the season a strong program that's going to move on to a new conference next year. You had you but you went through a gauntlet there. You you proved yourselves to some degree. You got to have a lot of confidence now heading into the to, to the NCAA tournament.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, our guys have, have, been pretty confident. They've, they've kind of kept that line. I think that's what allowed us to win, uh, win those games. I mean, it felt like an NBA schedule when you're playing the same team three times, uh, you know, within, a within a three week span and, you know, twice within a week. Um, but yeah I think the guys are, are definitely we've been shooting it pretty well um, but really it's I think it's been coming on the defensive end where they're finding their confidence uh, things are starting to click they're defending as a group um, so hopefully 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 that can carry over uh, into into this weekend.
0: So again, you get the win over St. John Fisher at home you win on back to back nights you're now heading off for the first time as we mentioned since 97 to the NCA tournament what's the buzz like on campus?
7: Oh, uh, it's it's incredible um i mean it was we have a pretty big uh pretty big arena uh we i mean we had 2000 people there um mm. you know i i got to the game you know about 2 hours early there was already people in the stands um <laughs> You know, Kick so them out. Uh, they, they might've been just trying to skip the five bucks. I don't know. For, for exactly. Entry, there you but, go. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, it's, it's been incredible. We've been, uh, we've been lucky. One of our VPs is a, is a hall of famer,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
7: in the basketball program. So he's obviously, you know, pretty bought into the program. You know, our president had his hair dyed purple at a game and we had a <laughs> perp out, you know, so it's just, uh, you don't see that everywhere. Um, no, you know, so <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> It's been it's been pretty special to have uh, just to see the community really rally behind uh, behind our guys and our program and uh, hopefully we can you know keep making them proud.
0: Uh, I've seen a president playing jazz piano at a uh, at a basketball game. I've not seen one dye their hair <laughs> school colors. That's that that takes some props. Um, oh
7: yeah. impressive.
0: You got a relatively young team to be honest. Yes, four seniors. But when you look to the roster, it, just the way it's also done. By the way, the freshmen jump out at you because the FY is capitalized and everything else is not. Yeah. it, it kind of makes me it kind of makes me smile. But you have a large number of freshmen, a couple of sophomores, a junior, and then those four yeah. seniors. So you have an interesting balance here. How is that team chemistry worked this season?
7: Uh, it's been pretty seamless, um, and, and that's a credit to the upper class and really not just the seniors, but. Sam Dagan, uh, our sixth man, who kind of is probably good enough to start on a lot of teams and definitely capable to start with us, but kind of took that role and, and just ran with it off the bench. And then our two sophomores, Jeremiah Zitz and Cole Eels, um, you know, they, they knew what it took getting to the playoffs last year and, and losing by one at NAS. Um, so they just really taught the freshmen. We told them the freshmen don't know anything yet. You know, all they're going to know <laughs> is what you tell them. Um, and they kind of did a great job of, of just leading them and, and helping them through the, the normal growing pain uh, and, and getting them, you know, just to compete every day.
0: Again, the this, this seniors certainly helping, as you pointed out there, and, and, and they're gonna, you're going to kind of need to lean on them to some degree, I'm sure. Uh, you're led mm-hmm. by Lamar, Lamarta, uh in, in points at mm-hmm. 19.2 points a game. Uh, which is pretty darn good. I got Sage Brown then also in double figures at 12.2. Elliot Bowen at, at 10.2. 10.1 from Sen Dagen. Scaddy Stropper at 9.8. And I'm re- reading these because uh, Brewster Marshall at 9.3. You essentially, a couple of points here or there, could have six guys in double figures, and, and you don't go necessarily deep on the bench. You're really a seven-member team. I- is that... By design, I mean, how does that work? And do you think media timeouts maybe can become your friend come March one?
7: Uh, they definitely could. Um, you know, we've uh, we we usually go to about uh, nine. Um, obviously, the last couple has been some some shorter runs, um, but definitely our top seven can all score. Uh, and I think that kind of our that versatility, obviously, Dom Laborda uh, has been tremendous. He scored over thirty twice last week. Um, can really just create his own shot and can bail us out when things aren't going well. Um, but we got a lot of different guys that can can score when we need it. Um, so, you know, I, I think we we definitely, the media timeouts can definitely help, but, uh, you know, hopefully we can get a few more guys in. What
0: What is it about this team that we don't know, that the stat sheet's not telling us? I mean, 12 points more a game than your opponents, okay, but you allow your shoot, opponents to shoot 42%. What? Uh, you know, it's hard to look at a stat sheet and truly figure things out, out-rebounding by one and a half. Okay, great. We got those numbers. But what are we not knowing about the Saxons?
7: Uh, I think it's just their makeup. Um, you know, it, it's, you never know the first time that a, that a team is kind of going through this. I was fortunate enough at Hobart to, to be there with, with Izzy Metz and Mike Neer and kind of go through that process of, you know, learning how to win the league, then how to win the league title. Uh, and you never, knew, you never know how they're going to react. Because you felt it on campus for the last couple weeks, everyone's talking to them about how how good they are, and just trying to get them to block that out. And you know, I never really felt a a tightness from them. Um, You know, I think that's kind of what makes this group special is they were able to just put their blinders on, focus on the task at hand, and kind of do what needed to be done when it needed to be done. Um, you know, I, I felt a little tightness. You know, the, the practice before uh, the league playoffs, which is understandable. And then I think once we, you know, got the ball going about five minutes in when we finally scored, uh, things kind of settled down. But I just think that their uh, their mental toughness has been has been really impressive, and it's something that uh, you know that that I'm proud of that, that that they've been doing.
0: Any preference on where you'd like to go? We've done some quick math using the NCAA system. We know we can get you all the way to Christopher Newport. If necessary, that gives a lot of flexibilities, but do you have a preference on where you'd love to go and play in the NCAA tournament because let's be honest, it's not going to be at home,
7: oh yeah. no, we know we're not going to be at <laughs> home, but uh and if it's warm down there, that wouldn't be the worst thing either. you know get out of that the- <laughs> you have it's a tough stuff.
0: winter up there or something
7: <laughs> it's twenty degrees today, and uh, it's got forty mile an hour wind, so, oh, It's a little uh, a little, chi- little chilly, <laughs> a little chilly, but uh no we don't we don't have any preferences i mean we're we're happy to be in and Wherever we go, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to go there and hopefully put our best foot forward.
0: Let me re, let me ask the question a different way. Any place you'd want to, ch- you, you're like, oh, I'd love to be to play there to have that experience. Not necessarily what the matchups are, just a, a place you'd love to go.
7: Um, that's a good question. I haven't honestly haven't really thought much about it. Um, you know, we we've been able to see a lot of it through it, but. No, nothing. Sorry, I mean, nothing right. really comes to no, it's mind. i uh, putting you on the spot. Like I
0: get that. Yeah. No, it's no big <laughs> deal. Hey, I appreciate the time you got you took to join us. Congratulations on making the tournament again. First time since '97. That says a lot, and uh, can you'll know, be you know flying the Empire Eight flag uh, into the NCAA tournament. We always give the coach or the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in?
7: No, no, just uh, thanks for all the support that you give, and thanks for taking the time to uh, to talk to our program. Um, you know, I'm glad that uh, our guys are getting some recognition for all the hard work they've put in. Um, but uh, now, hopefully, we can can keep it going a little bit. But definitely, just wanted to, to thank you for everything you do for D three uh, basketball and, and making our guys feel uh, important.
0: Well, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. it. makes the job a lot easier as well. Good luck. We'll look forward to seeing where you guys are going on Monday and uh, seeing how the Saxons do next weekend.
7: All right. Thank you. Appreciate Absolutely. it.
0: Absolutely. Russ Phillips joining us here, head coach of the Saxons of Alfred, as they move into the NCAA tournament. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out for them. All right. So wondering what we've done with our selections while we've been chatting with the coach? Well, when we come back, we'll find out what the gentleman and the team have decided with some the the next stage of selections. You're listening to the Hoopsville Special Mock Selection Sunday, here presented by D3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios, and thanks also in part to our friends at Blue Frame Technology. Back with more after this.
1: big shots big dunks this trophy is not given it must be earned the 2019 NCAA Division three men's basketball championship March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne with his third triple visit ncaa.com slash tickets and secure your seats today.
3: But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more.
4: Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
3: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
4: Help us keep that dream alive.
6: You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
2: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
6: If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a
7: Division III student-athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
4: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.